In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. So, hey, did you know anything about how I'm in Australia, Amy? I, I did. I was aware. <laughs> I, don't know. Um, I, I, mean, don't, I mean, I don't know. You don't know what? I don't know specifics. I don't know. I don't know specifics of, like, how an airplane flies, if that's how you're, like, you're trying to ask like, a science tell question. You, I still couldn't tell you how flight works and I guess it's not my job to I never figure will. that out. Yeah. But um truly so yes, listeners, uh, I think we mentioned this in our last episode that I was in the process of moving. So the hiatus, which we maybe didn't even need to take a hiatus now that I'm thinking about it. Um but you're welcome. It's over. We're back. Yay. Um <laughs> I'm Either way, if there was one or there wasn't one, we're back. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're back. We're really professional. We always know exactly what's happening in this show and how it's working. <laughs> um, there's never anything to improve. We do everything perfectly every no. time. Um, of course. But, so uh, this is yet another installment of our summer blockbuster series. Um, and... Now, admittedly, I'm not fully, like, back to my routines with uh, anything, certainly not with the podcast, so I was having some trouble thinking about, like, what an opening gambit question could be, um, mm-hmm. but I guess maybe something that we can talk about, because this was a specific point uh, that Spielberg made in his making of this movie, um, do you think that this movie rendered the future is good no 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 uh (laughs) you're jumping the gun quite a lot there amy um do you think that the future that they depicted and i don't mean like the central plot point stuff but i mean like the cars the apartments the clothes the types of technology Mm. that are appearing Mm. in this do you feel like yeah that looked like a realistic future of 2054 Uh. Okay, well, first, uh, thank you for saying what year it was supposed to be, because I wasn't sure, and I was like, I was curious. <laughs> did they say that, or did I, I must have missed it, I don't care. Um, he, I mean, I think it's definitely more realistic than other iterations of the future I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, <sighs> future movies are very even though I already did say I didn't like this movie, future movies are interesting in that you kind of get (laughs) a window into each person's, like, worldview. And if Uh they see things going up or they see things going down. Um, But, yeah, I would say it's, it's believable enough for 2054. It's enough removed from when it was made, which was... 2002, 2002, I think, yeah. right? Or something like that. Um, so I could see that. It's very... The cars I did like, I felt like the one car that I'm picturing looks like it's driving backwards, but it's going forward. Yeah, I know and what you mean. Yeah. There was something weirdly weird about the, the shape of that car, but I felt also that the... Um, the dwellings, the houses were very, like, a lot of concrete. A lot yes, of yes. dark, very, yeah. like, stark and... Um, very stark. The whole color palette <laughs> was very gray, yeah. I would say, across yeah. the board. Yeah. 
So I mean, but it's but it wasn't anything like they didn't wear crazy clothes, right? Like right. they they some, like the technology. Obviously, the biggest thing I remember about this movie from seeing it originally was the like him sitting with like the floating computers and like swiping right and left. Right. That's like what I remember about this movie. So that all seems quite advanced. Mm-hmm. But the actual, but again, clothes. All that stuff seemed believable because I feel like in a lot of things, they're wearing like crazy space suits. And yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I thought it was believable. The only thing that I think they didn't really predict was like they don't really have cell phones in this. Like, there's no phone. Oh, um, interesting. Oh, like interesting. I when, didn't even think when of we that. get to kind of the um, big concluding scene with a reveal. Um, there's a, like, a, the guy is, like, talking on, like, an earpiece thing, um, but this, that's mm, pretty much mm. the only time we meaningfully see what we would identify as, like, a phone. Um, and I feel like we had, did we not have, like, little Bluetooth, didn't, like, businessmen Bluetooth, have Bluetooth yeah. like that in t- 2002? Maybe they, maybe that existed back then. I can't remember when that started being a thing. Um, but, I like... I never had one of those. That no, fancy no, enough. you knew someone was an asshole when they had that. <laughs> that was basically. like that yeah, was like basically. the quickest way to identify who an asshole was. Um, yeah. No, but like, what I mean to say is like, yeah, I, the the swiping around of technology, the idea that like a computer screen is not really even necessary anymore. We're just like projecting onto things. Um, that all does is quite prescient, but like, people just didn't anticipate the phone thing the way it's the become. cell phone thing um yeah that's really well, what i will what i will say about watching a lot of future movies that like us currently need to like get moving on is like retina scans yes that was like a I, major thing in this one was like the use of <laughs> eyes to identify and I feel like a lot you of future in every way like that was like yeah your and, bank account like, and your metro card your metro card. I think that we, as 2022 people, need to get on that. I mean, not the layman's, but, like, whoever If I'm busy out ripping stuff, out like, people's eyes to implant, like, identification chips. Oh, no, chips, I don't want that. Like, I'm not the person for that job. No, but I also don't want it done that way. And I think, actually, based on our current, like... <laughs> distrust of the government. Right. I don't think people would no. even like let that happen. No, but and I, if there was a way to do it in a more benign way. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I think, I think as well. That's also something that like wasn't an incorrect thing to imagine because there is a lot of ways that we're tracked and use technology yeah. to pay for things that isn't with cash. But again, it's because the phone, yeah. nobody knows, like, all of it's that's phone, just on your yeah. phone. And so it doesn't need yeah. to be in your body. It can just be on your phone, which is always in your pocket yeah. next to your body. So, like... It's so funny because, like, yeah, it's so funny because they imagined all this technology to be, like, floating stuff. <laughs> like, floating right. computers, floating numbers, right. all of that. But they didn't imagine all those computer things to be in a phone. Right. Like... Yeah, that's interesting. And it or that it be, was they, that they would it, be separate standalone technologies that there wouldn't be a device like a phone that centralizes yeah. all the things and then all the things Everything. are out of the, like all the technologies come from this central device. Um, yeah, that that was something and that people who did didn't, predict that. Good for you, man. Yeah. If you did know that was the way things Seriously. were going. Um, because I was trying to remember too, like 2002, that was the other thing, like Americans hadn't gotten really into cell phones at that point. Like, um, they were still, they were still becoming a thing, um, in the U S like having a Bluetooth made you look like an asshole, but even having a cell phone made you look like an asshole kind of, um, it was just like, I mean, there definitely were cell phones in like the late nineties and stuff, but it was very. You were an early adopter. Not, you got a phone like very early yeah. on. And it was very much not somebody's lifeline. Like it was, no. it was, um, it was a vanity. It was item. an extra. Yeah. 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 That's why people I mean, 
didn't get cell phones. It's like, this is an asshole person because this is a vanity thing. Yeah, it's true. Right. I know, and that's why I wanted my first one. I was like, I need to be cool. Did I actually, like, need it to call anybody? Who would I have called? <laughs> the friends you see all day um, at school is who you were calling. <laughs> yeah, probably. And I probably and I probably did do that. I think I pitched it to mom, like, it's for safety. Of course. Um, but I naturally. Don't, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that it was. No. Um, um, and then, like, what I... So, yeah, because I remember I got my first cell phone... when I was in Spain in 2001 because in Spain Mm -hmm. it had become this thing of like everyone's got one you can't not have one interesting um and I was I was quite reluctant but like all and but everyone like the person who was like the leader of our study abroad thing was just like you must have like you have to and so like wow Americans were some of the later adopters of this idea that you would have a cell phone that would be around you all the time and now we just like can't effing live right without it. and now I would say we're quite early adopters so of like quite a lot of other bullshit related to phones um but so yeah. I think that's another thing about this movie that is interesting it's like you know American mm. culture hadn't adopted the cell phone so these scientists because they did have scientists consult on this about some of the these technologies and how they're like rendered Mm. um and so all these american scientists were like well like we've got these like it's not to do that the technologies aren't legitimately things that exist now or could exist in the future it's that people really didn't see this the phone thing um, yeah, they're like, yeah, that, I, that's gonna, that's a fad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or like that's only some people yeah. are gonna have that, um, or yeah. or or it's literally just gonna stay a phone. It's not also gonna become a tiny yeah. computer. Like, um, yeah, totally. No one really got that. So, hello everyone. It's not Welcome. gonna be a tracking device. <laughs> no, a tracking device that that also ruins your life and makes you need to get a divorce. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, exactly. Um, we yep. didn't we didn't see that coming. Um, hello everyone. Welcome. Nope. To see you next week in space, I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my co-host and sister, Amy Walsh. Um, and Amy, why don't I'm sure people are waiting with bated breath to learn what we're talking about this week. Well, let me tell you. We are talking about the 2002... I would say this is probably a hit, not in my personal Oh, book, it but, is. Um, That's why, because it's summer it's a, blockbuster It's a big one. It's a summer series, blockbuster. So. Yes. I feel as though I maybe saw it in the theaters, but I don't know. Anyway, it is my Yeah, I was surprised when you were saying just now, I was surprised when you were saying just now that you remembered seeing it at some point. I was like, Amy chose to watch a science fiction movie? (laughs) It was, here's what I'll tell you. I hated it then as much as I hated it now. Cool, that checks out. I'm glad, I'm glad (laughs) some parts of your personality are consistent. Yeah, I remember the, like, typey types in the air and, like, the swiping, and I do sort of remember the old typey lady and her, like, Typey types in the terrarium. air. What is what? it? What? When he's, like, swiping. Oh, Doesn't he okay. do that? Is it, oh, yeah, there is. I think he's got special gloves that... Yeah, I don't know. He's, got his, like, he's sitting in that, like, control room, and he's, like, type, 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 swipe, swipe. I don't know. He's, like, his yeah, computer's, yeah, yeah. like, in the air, floating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just glad. So, okay, so I remember that. It. That's like what I remembered about it mainly. Sure. But what I will say is it's far too long. It's, well, yes, I was literally just saying this um, last night because uh, I went on a date. Hey, guys, went on a date. Good for me. Um, we're not talking about the date on this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just an FYI. Um, Date talk. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm happy to talk about a lot of things that maybe would be considered too personal on this show. Um, but romantic endeavors are absolutely not going to be part of it. Um, but anyway, on this date, uh, this guy had done his due diligence. And he's like, I know you have a podcast. And I was like, oh, no, I never. Oh, no. Like, I didn't think this through. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, should I no. should I get out of here immediately? <laughs> yeah, um, I might have like fell under the table. Yeah, but um, so he's like, so what are you? And I, and I was like, oh yeah. And he was like, uh, so what? Like, what's up? And I was like, oh, I'm actually recording tomorrow morning. Um, and he was like, oh, what are, what are you going to talk about? And I was like, Minority Report. And he's like, oh yeah, I loved that movie. I remember it. Like, and that's the thing we've talked. Face Off was like this too. Like, 
this is one of those movies where I had never seen it, but I knew what the poster looked like because it was everywhere. Oh. Like, inescapable. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... I don't know why in the goddamn world I would have seen it. I really I re- I'm shocked. I, I, truly. <laughs> I am, too. Because 2002, what am I... Oh, 2002, I was in but, high school. Yeah, you would have been a junior in would high I have school, right? gone to it? I have I no know. idea. But, who, like, what... Who and why my, and where. Yeah, but so he was like, so, like, what, what kind of stuff are you going to say about Minority Report? And I was like, honestly, I don't totally know, but the true, the true thing I'll say is it's way too long for what it is. And oh, someone... Oh my God. Someone should have said, because it's a, you know, it's a Tom Cruise... Steven Spielberg vehicle. They worked together on it. Um, and so, you know, like, I don't... Because th- w- both of them by this point were, like, you know, massive talents and celebrities and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think anyone really was like, mm, you really need to edit this, guys. Like, you really we need, to, this need in. Yeah. to, like, keep... Like, because... So, okay, let's, so first let's start with well, some of the Well, because Spielberg likes to do long movies, He does, right? he does. Like, but it was fully an hour too long. Uh, easily. <laughs> In my opinion. Well, I mean, we always say that we'd like movies to be 90 to 100 minutes. Um, yes. But this one yes. I think really should be. So, so let's just dive into yeah. some of the basics. So the IMDb description yeah. says, In a future where a special police unit is able to arrest murderers before they commit their crimes... An officer from that unit is himself accused of a future murder. Now, this is based on a short story by Philip K. Dick called The Minority Report that was originally published in 19... Short story. Right. Short story. That's exactly what I was about to say, which is (laughs) like, you know, um, and I, I think we've talked about numerous Philip K. Dick, like, things. He's a very well-known, um, science fiction writer, um, a lot of his stuff mm. has been um, adapted into films and TV shows. Um, mm. But the whole thing is, is like, I'm like, a short story is a short story. There's not a lot there. Yeah. Like, and yeah. so you don't need to blow this thing out. Like, um, and in no. fact, like what I found probably, like the story itself actually isn't, there isn't much there. Like there's not much happening. Yeah. Um, but what I found happening to me was I would watch the movie and then all of a sudden like some time would pass and you'd be like, wait, who's that guy? What? Like, why are oh, we in this place? I had no like, idea who anyone was. And it's because I like truly I'm like, there's just not enough story to fill the minutes Too much. of this movie. And so you, you lose track of what's happening. Yeah. And then you're like, wait, I... Why are they at this place? Like, uh, where are we mm-hmm. in the story? Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that was kind of my main takeaway is I don't necessarily think I disliked this movie, but it absolutely needed someone to say, listen, Tom, listen, Steve, you're great. You're great. This movie's going to be a hit. And it, like, the movie would have been a hit anyway. Like, we just need it to be shorter. And it, can, and it can be. 100%. It can very comfortably be shorter. Um, 100%. Because actually, the truth is, that IMDb description you read was way more interesting to me than the movie itself. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Because it's, conc- because it's concise. And right. it, like, makes sense. Right. And actually, I felt like... Uh, so the Minority Report... We'll talk about it because it's like a specific thing that the whole, obviously the whole plot revolves around. Um, Mm -hmm. But like this movie doesn't even do really a very good job of describing what it is. Um, Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Why, why we need to have it. (laughs) Like what's going on. Okay. Thank you. Because at about minute two hour and 20, (laughs) Isaac looked at me and was like, What's a minority report? The minority report. And I said, I couldn't fucking tell you. And I was like, and he's like, did you watch this movie? (laughs) I I mean, that could be said of so many of the movies that we watch. You like do an immediate memory wipe. It really was. But like, uh, but yeah, we both were like, no idea what the minority report is. Yeah. Well, we can talk about it. But so like. 
Um, okay. Basically, a couple interesting things. So I've already mentioned that this is a Spielberg and Cruz um, joint production because um, they had both wanted to work with each other. Um, and then they, like, I don't know who, who of them came across this particular short story, but it was, the rights of it were bought in the early 90s, and it was originally thought that this was going to be kind of a companion piece or sequel to Total Recall, which is another Philip K. Dick mm. short story. Um, and have I, we, we watched that one? We have not watched Total Recall, but it's a Schwarzenegger one, so we will certainly watch oh. it at some point. <laughs> Um, and I, okay. and I, and I won't like, I'm curious to see how you'll respond to that because I actually quite like Total Recall. I think it's much better in every way. It's one of those this. ones where I've definitely heard of it and know it in a certain way, but I don't really know anything about it. Yeah. So in terms of, I thought like we, we can also talk about this a bit more, but like one of the things that I found really interesting about this movie is, so it comes out on the 21st of June, 2002. That's why it's a summer blockbuster. Um, its budget was approximately $100 million. It makes... Holy shit. Yeah, it makes $358 million on the worldwide what? box office. I yeah. I mean, this is, a, this is a juggernaut. Like I said, like... There was wow. nowhere you could go in the world where you did not see this poster and you did not, like, it was everywhere. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. And I was thinking about it, especially in this context of coming out in, like, summer 2002, of course, um, this whole notion of preventive, like, crime-stopping, whatever, I think had a really particular mm. ring in the context of the immediate aftermath of 9-11, right? Like... Oh, um, interesting. I I was yeah, thinking like of it in that way. Yeah, predicted that. Oh, interesting. Well, because yeah, it was because already by then, like there was an incredible amount of uh, surveillance operationalized on American citizens in a way that had never been the case before. Like you know the Patriot mm. Act and things. Um, and so I was looking at it in that way as well. I'm not sure that that was really like the you know, quote-unquote message that Spielberg and Cruz wanted to put forward. Um, yeah, I could believe it, though. Well, I feel like a lot of future movies ha tend to... Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like the ones we've done, a lot of the future aspect revolves a, a lot around crime and, like, how we deal with crime in yeah. the future, right? Because I think... And also, like, what, I don't what know constitutes crime. Like, what it... Like, there are things yeah. in the future that are called crimes that in our timeline, yeah. either the action couldn't exist in the first place because it's, a, like, a technology-related crime, or yeah. or it's, like, um, this is a... In our timeline, this isn't a crime, but imagine this future where this thing that seems innocuous becomes a crime. Like, that's often, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. the thing. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I was just kind of thinking about it. For some reason, like... You know, I didn't watch this when it came out. This was the first time I watched it. But I couldn't help but think, like, hmm. I wonder how this... Maybe that's partly why it was, like, such a big success. Like, I was just like, I wonder what an American audience of that time, in that moment, how it would have landed. Yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of things landed differently at that time, right? Yeah. Like, things were hits because of that time period. I mean... The biggest one that I know of, which is a little random, but in my world, um, Mamma Mia, like, oh, came right. out on that Broadway in thing. 2001 or 2002, and because it's, it's, like, an objectively, like, bad musical. <laughs> right. But it, w but it was so light and airy mm -hmm. that that's what people wanted at right. that time, right. and it was, like, a, just a great distraction type of thing and I and I've heard it credited that it ran so long because of when it opened yeah that's fair enough um and I think like Which also and this goes back to what you were like why the fuck was I at this movie in 2002 um yeah seriously I, like I think also what it shows is the way and we've talked about this a bunch is the the way that movies are consumed has changed really dramatically mm -hmm. um like this mm -hmm. I now can't remember when I was saying this or to whom like all of my days have blurred into just one bizarre long 
odyssey yeah. since arriving in a different time zone. Um, but like, yeah, you know, it's a bit like, um, I wish that the days of going to the movie theater and just basically being like, <clears throat> we'll go there at seven and just see what's playing. And then mm. you look at what is playing and like, not one thing just is died from there. Well, and not one thing is part of a franchise. It's just all yeah. like eight or nine, just different things. And you're like, I don't know. I guess Minority Report sounds good. Like of the things here, it's we'll got do this Tom one. Cruise. It's yeah. like yeah. Um, yeah, that isn't really the way that we interact with movies anymore. And like the the variety. Yeah. <laughs> like the variety of types of movies has really gone down precipitously as well. Um, yeah. So it's just a and different in high time. school, like for me personally, I think I was more <laughs> maybe high school people in general, but like I was more willing to like do something I didn't want to do just for the sake of doing sure. that thing. <laughs> yeah, and also, um, you know, like I think high school probably would have been one of the times in my life when I saw the most movies in the theater, because it's, like, one of the few things you can do, like, um... Yeah, exactly, and you could, like, I can drive there, I can, it's easy, like, it's, you know, it's, it is an activity that parents let you do without too many questions, like, yeah. Yeah. So, in terms of the cast, and again, this was, like, weird as I was putting it together, I was like, oh, we, like, even though there are a lot of people in this movie... They don't fucking matter. There's only, like, four people in this movie that matter. Um, yeah, and I don't get a lot of them, but... Yeah. Well, yeah, so... And I, and certainly, the only name that was, like, meaningfully used was Agatha's name. Like, you wouldn't know anyone yeah. else's name, even at all. Um, they don't refer to anyone by I name. I sort of knew that... I sort of knew that Tom Cruise's name was John because I said that a lot, I feel like. But beyond mm. that, yeah, I was like, I have no idea who yeah. anybody's name is. So the title character, um, or not the title character, the protagonist is Chief John Anderton. And again, I'm like, Anderton? Why? Like, that name so doesn't exist. <laughs> like, just have him be Anderson. Um, yeah. But anyway, played by a 40-year-old Tom Cruise. Um, we all know who Tom Cruise is, so I certainly don't need to talk about his like yes, acting career. Um, but I did think it was interesting for you, your perspective. He was born in Syracuse, New York. Um, his family was quite uh, Catholic, so he actually at one time in his early teens aspired to be a priest. Um, but then eventually... You were oh, having a reaction to that. To that. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just going to say he should have stuck to that. Yeah. Weird when we're both like, you know, if you had remained a Catholic priest, I think your life would have been better. Like, you would have had a better impact well, on the world, like, perhaps, than what has happened now. He, yeah, and that is that is actually saying a lot. Right. Um, but it's more like, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm not a fan, yeah. but I get it. Um, so... Uh, basically, he dropped out of high school and went to New York City uh, around the age of 18. And by 23, he was a major star. Um, and it's Another reason to hate him. A kind of inter- intense. Um, the last thing we'll say about him, and it's kind of connected to what we were just saying, um, he renounced his Catholicism in 1990 uh, to kind of fully hmm. commit and pursue Scientology. Um, and this is actually something, for those of you who don't know much about Scientology, this is actually something that is um, kind of a common step at a certain point um, because is usually... Is renouncing another religion? Right, like whatever you started out with. Um, because mm-hmm. quite a lot, at least at first, of what people are told when they, when they are quite religious in some other way, they're told like, oh, well, Scientology can like enhance that there's no reason you don't have to choose you know you can you can retain both if this thing is important to you mm-hmm. um but there does come a, a time where they're like that was kind of bullshit what we said um you have to <laughs> commit to Scientology alone um and in fact if you'll remember and I think this was around this time remember when Penelope Cruz was dating Tom Cruise I do sort of remember that, that poor girl. I know. Well, I think this was around that time. But 
Um, this hmm. was like at so then she, as he does with most of his partners, she had started getting more into Scientology because of him. Um, and this was she also hit this I don't know like let's call it a paywall, but she hit this point where they were like, okay, you have to renounce any other kind of belief system other than Scientology. You have to get rid of it. And apparently she was like a pretty committed Buddhist. Um, oh, interesting. And was like, I absolutely refuse to do that. You told me I didn't have to. Good for her. Yeah. Um, I think that was partly why probably the relationship fell apart. Um, but Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think that's why all his relationships fall apart. It does seem that Scientology is both the cause and the solution to all of his problems. Well, yeah. I mean, when you're in a cult and the other person does not ascribe to that cult, uh, and I'm being very specific in using right. that word right uh it is very hard to like manage that yeah they, because I mean, and the whole basis of uh scientology if you are not one they see you as like bad less than human really um yeah so that's all we need to say about good old tom cruise um then we have <laughs> a character called danny whitwer who is played by a 26 year old colin farrell um I was surprised to yeah. see him in this movie. I didn't know he was in this movie. Me too. Um, and what I also thought was interesting, um, according to, like, his bio and various other things, like, um, this was the movie that really kind of turned him into the thing that he became in the early 2000s, which is, like, this rugged bad boy, like, massive so su- su- movie star man. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> So, like, this is 2002, and then I think in 2003, he has something, like, his credits really blow up. Like, he's in six or seven things in 2003. And he's he's never gotten back to that pace ever again, which is probably fine. He probably, if you were to ask him, he'd be like, yeah, that was, like, a rough year or two years of shooting stuff, like, constantly. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, but... I like him. I I mean... Yeah, I I do, too. Um, and I think what I what has become my kind of take on this is like all of that bad boy stuff that he was known for at that time. Um, I think he could have done quite a bit better in his career if that hadn't been such a focus of people's attention. Like um, mm-hmm. because he really like is he could have like expanded. Yeah, like he really is a good actor. I think, um, mm-hmm. but because he was like such kind of a party boy dickhead. Um, or at least that was how he was portrayed quite often. Um, yeah. It, it was like, oh, well, we can't, like, cast him in this serious thing. We, like, you know, it was, like, he just got dismissed out of hand, I think. Um, is probably he quite Australian? Often. He's Irish. Yeah. Um, Irish, that's what it is. Yeah. I was going to say, his English, his American, his American accent is, is usually a bit off for me. Yeah. I like him still, and I do think he's good, but there's something, the funny, like... He always still a little bit sounds not Irish quite right. Or something. <laughs> yeah, not quite right. Yeah, and it's funny because it's it's not it's one of those things where, like, when you learn about accents, it's not even so much pronunciation as it is um, cadence and right. like right. tone or right. like. Uh, yeah, so like, I mean, it's because like Irish. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I was just going to say, because the Irish accent is, like, very lilty, he right. still kind of has some of that, like, yeah, baked into the way he does an American accent. So yeah. it's just funny. It's the same effect as, like, when someone like Benedict Cumberbatch does his American accent to be Doctor Strange. And you're, and he's like, yes, Mallory, I am. And I'm like, is, yes. that, is that what Americans sound like? A bunch of fucking robots? Is that... <laughs> Like, yes, it um, is. it's it's so funny. I mean, I love when I like when people aren't like super good at an American accent and they like do it because what you you kind of see how they hear us, right? And it's a lot of real hard of R's, really hard R's, really hard R's. That's like it's, the main thing that they hit like in such a. It's hard R's and then like very nasal A's and stuff. And nasal, I'm, exactly. 100%. And I'm like, oof, oh boy, oh. <laughs> That's yeah, I know. Um, but also, know. Um, so I hadn't realized this because have you watched the new Batman movie, the Robert Pattinson? No, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
don't get me wrong, I don't know that we needed yet another Batman movie, but I still enjoyed it. Um, watched it recently, and yeah. I was surprised and forgot that um, Colin Farrell plays the Penguin in that movie, and he oh, is funny. unrecognizable oh. in it. Really? Mm-hmm, because he's in this big fat like just suit. just his, like... And oh, has, like, oh, incredible, like... The penguin is that... Right. The Penguin was once played by Danny DeVito. <laughs> like, picture yeah, that. Yeah, that's who I'm picturing. <laughs> picture that, that and that then be what... like, now Colin Farrell's that guy. <laughs> like, what's that all about? Oh, wait. Whoa. I'm just looking at pictures right now, and I'm so confused. Right? Wait, that's him? Yeah. I would never. I would never. I, you know who that looks like to me? At least this picture. It looks like the dude, I don't know his name. He was in Seinfeld. Like, he he was something, like, but, like, not a side character. And he also played on Mad About You. He was, like, uh, a friend. <laughs> I don't okay. know that name. Okay. That's who that looks like to me. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, um, I, like, I like Colin Farrell. I think... He probably is a lot better actor than he's been given credit for across the board. Yeah. And he did a good job in this. Like, I really liked his character in this That's interesting. One. Now that I've seen that picture, that makes me more interested. Yeah. I mean, it, what, it legitimately, that was a superhero movie that I enjoyed. Like, and I didn't want to like okay. it because everyone was talking about it, but I it was in a moment of weakness, and I watched it, and it turned out <laughs> to be okay. Um, so the next character is Agatha. She's one of the precogs, and we'll talk about what that is shortly. That's played by a 25-year-old Samantha Morton. Um, She's British. Uh, She was the person that I knew kind of the least of anybody in this movie. Um, Yeah. I was thinking it was Elizabeth Banks for a minute, but then I realized that timeline wouldn't work. Yeah. I see what you mean, though. There is a similarity to a bit of their looks, so I I can see what you're talking about. Yeah. so apparently, like, she learned pretty early on that she wanted to pursue a professional acting career. She did this thing, I, I have no real idea what it is, but it's called Central Junior Television Workshop, which I guess is, like, meant for mm-hmm. teens to kind of learn acting craft in the UK. What I also didn't mm-hmm. know uh, is that she has been nominated for both a Best Supporting Actress and Best Actress Award, um, wow. For the the best supporting actress, I think was in two thousand two Oscar season, so movie in two thousand one, and the best actress the following mm-hmm. year. Um, in the case of the best supporting actress, she had a non speaking role in a I think it's a Woody Allen movie called Sweet and Low Down, which I've never seen. Um, and yeah, you know, I've heard of that one. No, I have no frame of reference for it at all, but you know how the Academy loves to award people, like, you didn't talk at all, and your performance was amazing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so that was that. And then she also played the mom in um, the movie In America, uh, which that's where she got nominated for the Best Actress uh, Oscar. Hmm. And that's about, like, um, I mean, intriguingly to what we were just saying, that's about this family of Irish people who've come to New York City and live in Hell's Kitchen. And, you know, it's actually, I know I've... I've never heard of that movie either. I know I've seen it, and it's quite, it's like, it's a movie that I would never choose to watch now because it's just based on real life, and it's about a family and their struggles and ups and downs. And I'm like, I can't do that. No. (laughs) Like, um, but at the time, I watched it and thought it was, like, quite a sweet little movie. Um, And she Hmm. has gone on... To do like one or two kind of movies every year since the early 2000s. Um, but hmm. more recently seems to have found her niche, as many of the people we've talked about on this show have, in like the premium series kind of strand mm. of content. Um, she's a main character in The Walking Dead, as well as in the mm. um, thing Harlots, hmm. which I've never actually seen, but I've heard of. Um, so that seems to be her bailiwick at the moment. Um, next we have director Lamar Burgess, also known as the old guy in my mind. Um, <laughs> yes. and that's played by, at the time, a 73 year old Max von Sydow, or Sydow maybe is how to pronounce it. Um, I was impressed and didn't, I had not put this together. So he's born in Sweden. 
Um, mm-hmm. And he was one of the main actors in the Ingmar Bergman movie, uh, The Seventh Seal. You've probably seen this movie. Because mm. you were doing theater stuff, I would find it very surprising if you'd not seen it. It's an old black and white movie where um, it's set during like the plague and there's a bunch of various characters, and one of the more famous scenes is this guy, Max von Sydow, playing chess on the beach with death. Oh, that scene sounds kind of familiar, but the the name, the Seventh Seal, isn't ringing a bell at all. But I don't know how and under what context I was meant to made to watch it, but I know it was like either in high school or college um, that I watched this movie. It's quite famous. Um, Were you made to watch it like, like with your eyes held open? <laughs> like, <laughs> not quite that extreme, but I think it was like in the context of some class where we were like, yeah, yeah, went, yeah. made to watch it. Um, it. He has also been nominated for a Best Actor uh, Oscar, and according to his IMDb bio, he's the only male Swede to have had that honor as yet. Um, hmm. And he has been, unsurprisingly, in a lot of things over the course of his life. Um, his first credit is in 1949. Um, and he's been in, among other things, uh, The Exorcist. He plays one of the various religious figures in that, um, who I think gets mm-hmm. killed mm-hmm. rather graphically. Um, he was <laughs> the super racist emperor in Flash Gordon. Um, and racist in the sense that, like, he's a Swede who was made up to look like he was Asian. Um, oh, yikes. Yeah. Uh, then he was, like, some kind of ruling man in Conan the Barbarian. And what yeah. I thought was especially intriguing to me, and this shows quite a lot of my own movie life, um, he also did the voice for Vigo in Ghostbusters 2. Um, so that's Is his that the weird... Oh, okay. Do you remember Ghostbusters too? <laughs> not really, not really. I can't. I feel like I must have seen it. I would be yeah, surprised no, if you really never it. had seen it. But um, I would also not be surprised if it was like I saw it once and that was it, and I never need to see it again. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. the one where Vigo is this like early middle ages man in a painting who like tries to come back to life by using the painting as a portal okay and he's the voice of that character um the and these are really the only people we need to know for this story but i also briefly included um the character who again you would never know this person's name um the character's name is lara clark that's that's um anderton's wife or ex-wife i guess as the movie begins um, and that's played by a 33-year-old Catherine Morris, um, who I noticed from her credits, like, it looks like she had a small part in AI, which was the movie Spielberg was doing just before this one. So I was like, oh, he probably just, like, was oh. like, why don't you be in this movie sort of thing. Um, we just need a woman to look like this guy's wife. <laughs> like, we, it doesn't even matter who. Um, and... She was also... Did you ever watch the crime procedural cold case? Was that ever one of the ones you would watch? Is... Uh, I've watched Cold Case Files, which is like the... But Cold Case, I don't... I think is different, right? Cold Case is... Yeah, like Cold Case Files it's is a like procedural, a... procedural, so it's, it's... It's... Yeah, it's fictional. It's not a documentary yeah. one. Okay, um, okay, okay. Yeah, Cold Case. I actually did like that one for a bit. Cause, so I recognize this lady right away, this actor. Um, Cold Case, the premise is that she is an FBI agent who has been assigned specifically to try and go through cold cases. Um, okay. And one of the kind of sticky things of it that I actually really liked is that they would do... We've talked how much I love a flashback, so they would do flashbacks to, the, to show us the crime... And one of the... Th- and, oh, this lady, yes, okay. And they would, um, in the context of doing the flashback, they would always play music from the year that that cold case was from. <laughs> um, oh, that's funny. And so, like, it, yeah, it was a little bit, like, like I said, it was like a shtick or a bit sort of thing. But I something about it yeah. really, like, worked for me. <laughs> and I was like, that's fun. Yeah. Um, well, 
And she was the main lady in that. Okay, okay. Yeah, I recognize her. I looked her up. Um, I also recognize the guy talking about that type of, like, genre of TV and that time period. The dude from um, The Practice, I think, he was in. Oh. Um, The... He was, like, the one black guy in this movie, I believe. Oh, right, um, that guy. I totally recognized him as well. Um, but he'd also, yeah. like, I was gonna try and say something about, and then there's an, that other... I don't know, his character wasn't... No, that ma- that made no difference. Like, that guy didn't matter. And then there was that other guy yeah. who was one of the police officers who's, like, the weird blonde guy from stuff that you've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, think his, I, think that's, I think it was Gary Sinise, right? No, not Gary Sinise. Um, no? gah, what's, I have it right here. What's this guy's name? Um, oh. where is he? Oh, Neil, Mc, Neil McDonough is the actor's name. He's like the super oh. weird looking blonde, like uber white looking guy. Yeah. Um, and Steve yeah. Harris is the other guy we were talking about, the only black character in the movie. Yes, yes. Um, but like I like him. I like I like, him in the I, like <laughs> I like I liked him in this and I've liked him in other things I've seen him in as well. Um, but like truly I was like, should I mention these other people? I was like, no, they I don't know why they're there. They yeah, don't do yeah. anything. Um, yeah. so we begin the movie with a, a title card, I guess, but it just says Minority Report. And um, we open up with, like, some patchy black and white, like, quite artistic, um, kind of, like, student film quality <laughs> situation um, because we're seeing, like, a very passionate kiss and, like, deep close-up. Um, but then it starts to pan out, and then things start to get, like, oh, no, this is terrible because then it's images of, like, bloody scissors and like a bloody bathtub with like water spilling out the side and we see this guy killing the people who were just making out and so like right away I was confused let's say um (laughs) I was like where are we what's happening um and then we cut to Agatha in this tub room and my first note about her is white woman in milk bath question mark yeah um because like the water looked white like i didn't know what was happening it did well this is another oh god another problem i have with sci-fi slash future movies there's they they always like to have some type of goo like there's oh, there always goo. must be. There must be a goo. There's I mean, there goo. must be a goo so, or like a paste or something. Milky. I don't paste. like it. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like there's always something with like a not good texture, and I don't appreciate it. That's true. I think that's right. Um, so she wakes up in this milk bath and is upset, and I and I w- I was just like, I don't know what's happening. I already, I wish I had more information. And I'm like, I don't need to be shown and told every single thing. Um, But I don't think this was the way to set up things for success. Because I, like, as Mm -mm. we indicated, when we don't know what a minority report is, this is where the problem (laughs) begins. (laughs) Like, right from the start. Yeah. Um, Then we follow Tom Cruise into... Um, the, and this is where we again get a couple little chirons. We see Department of Pre-Crime, Washington, D.C. And you're like, okay, fine. And then this is where, this is where one of the things you missed. Then the next one comes up and it says the year 2054. And I'm like, I was already tuned out apparently. Um, (laughs) You know, and so then we're in what, as you'll see in my um, outline, I keep referring to as the temple because that's the word they use for this, like, tub room that they're all yeah. in. And so I didn't know really... I didn't want to keep saying, like, pre-crime place. So I've just called the whole thing a <laughs> temple. Um, yeah. And this is where, yeah, you want to describe what Anderton is doing at this juncture. No, I don't... Is it, well, is this when he's doing all that, like, typey-typey, like, right. swipey-swipey stuff? Yes. Yeah. I guess... I I don't really know what he's doing. I'm assuming he's analyzing these pre these milk bath 
people's like thoughts right. and kind of entering it into the computer and uh, analyzing that by swiping stuff a bunch in the air. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, so, okay. So what we see as the audience is we see him walk into this room. The room initially, like, what we see is that it's got this big open window overlooking the three people in the weird milk bath. And um, right. and then there's, like, um, like a gumball machine in the room yeah. that the this red ball comes like swirling down and out and the red ball has a name on it and i think and they don't they're like running through some of this so fast that i'm like wait 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 what but like <laughs> the red ball is meant to be kind of like a flash drive because it's got all the data uh, of this vision that they had. Hmm. Oh. So, like, okay. the ball shoots... I didn't get that. Well, I didn't really get it either. This is just me being like, I think this is how this works. Because otherwise, I don't know how those images... Yeah. Like, how are those images transferred? I don't know. Um, yeah, you're right. So, okay. so, the ball comes down, and then you take the ball, and you, like, plunk it into... Um, you know, for lack of a better term, like a drive, same, like I said, same as like a flash drive. You're just like plunk. And then Mm -hmm. now I'm accessing the data. And then yes, that begins the, I think he is wearing some kind of gloves that are meant to suggest that like you need the glove to be able to manipulate the thing. Yeah. And maybe he's wearing, I can't remember because I can't remember if I'm picturing like the poster, which is maybe different but I feel like does he also have like a weird like single eye glasses situation you mean like a google glass yeah something like that I don't think so I mean I I know exactly what you're talking about but I don't think that's in this part um Okay. okay but yeah he's like flipping images around and like whoop blow it up whoop make it small you know um And, um, and you can tell, like, I think it would have been interesting to see Spielberg trying to direct this situation because like, you know, like none of that imagery is actually what they see while they're doing it. And it is, he like lifts his hands and starts moving them almost like how someone would pretend to be a conductor of an orchestra, like, um, Mm -hmm. who doesn't actually know how to be a conductor of orchestra. They're like, blah, blah, blah over here. And like, bloop, bloop, bloop over there. Um, and so he's doing quite a bit of that. And in the process of that, they figure out that the person who is the, um, instigator of this murder is a guy named Howard Marks. Um, and so then they need to figure out where he is and what's going on. Meanwhile, we, the mm-hmm. audience, then are carried to Howard Marks's home, um, presumably somewhere in the D.C. metro area. Um, and I, again, was confused because, like, they haven't really explained enough, like, what is this all about? Like, um, yeah. so there are just these images, and since the images from the pre-vision are so patchy to begin with, it's like, wait, what? And so, like... Uh, Howard is, like, getting ready to go to work. It's a regular morning, and he's saying, like, oh, hey, hon, like, what if, wouldn't it be nice if maybe I stayed home today and, like, we spent some time together, blah, blah, blah. And she's, like, quite bristly about that. (laughs) She's like, no, I've got shit. She's like, no, I have plans, bitch. (laughs) Get out of here. And I gotta say, (laughs) if you're gonna cheat on your husband by having your boyfriend come to your house as soon as he leaves so that he can have sex with you in your marital bed, um, get better at being subtle. Like, it's it's not a good, it's not a good plan. It's um, not a good plan. And because she is like, so immediately putting the kibosh on this idea of him staying home. And especially because, like, I kind of, I think what we're meant to assume is that, like, maybe the marriage is a bit on the rocks. And sure. so, like, if that's the case and your partner's like, hey, haven't we been, like, kind of having a tough time? Like, don't you think it would be nice like, for us to maybe have some time together, like, the kid will go to school, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
and if part of the reason your marriage is on the rocks is because you're secretly cheating on someone, like, um, I think you, you like have to say yes when someone pitches that idea. Like you have to, and then you have to like send a surreptitious text to the person you wanted to hang out with that day and be like, I'm really sorry. Like, um, plans have changed, you know, like, um, yeah, I mean, I would go further and say like, <laughs> If you're having problems in your marriage, like, work that out and figure it out. Not saying that you have to, like, and, like, don't have an affair. (laughs) Right. Having an affair is not good. Like, that's part one. Don't do that. (laughs) But but if you're going to, then, like... If you absolutely have to. You're like, then get better at lying, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, get better than (laughs) this woman is at it um yeah so then we cut back to um the people in the temple and they've figured out specifically which howard marks they're looking for um but then they realize that the address that they have on file for him is actually old like this is not where this Mm. scene that they're watching has transpired and so they need to figure out where the Mm. new marks house is and now they're saying oh there's only 12 minutes left to the event um, or till the event happens. And then I guess this also this becomes mm-hmm. important later. So apparently, in addition to the precogs being able to kind of generate these images of what will happen, they somehow seem can, seemingly can even pinpoint like the exact day and time that it will happen. Um, That's wild. Which that is really seems wild intense. Um, yeah. So. Anyway, Anderton is like flippity dippityed around these images and he uses them uh, to figure out where the Marks family is now. And once they have the mm. basic location, they like kind of lock and load and ho- head over there. Um, mm-hmm. When they arrive, I will say this was something I did kind of enjoy. It's like whenever the police arrive in this movie, it is like literally a force descends from on high. They like drop down from the sky um, out of these intense looking like uh, like stealth airplane kind of things. And this is precisely what happens here is they figure out that the, like, the Mark's house is around this park. So they like eight or nine people drop down into this park. Um, meanwhile, uh, Howard Marks has told his wife that he's left for work, but in fact what he's done is he's also hanging out in the park watching some man go into his home. So, um... And see, that's the other thing that's going to happen. Like, if you're not a good liar, you have to be good at covering your tracks. Well, and (laughs) and I mean, there's quite a bit of weirdness that's happening. So then um, he comes back into the house, and they, like his wife and this boyfriend or whatever are like making out in the bathroom of like the master bedroom and he hides like they come back into the bedroom and he hides behind the bed so that they can't see that he's there and he sits and listens to them making out and or having sex for a while and I was like I appreciate that like you're you're getting visual confirmation that your marriage is in a real bad place. And I know that that's tough. Um, but I feel as though this kind of vaguely cuckold situation that's happening here is quite <laughs> icky. <laughs> um, because these people yeah. don't know that you're doing it. Um, and it just makes me feel like maybe part of the reason your marriage is falling apart is because you're a creep. Like, um, so anyway, at, he like pops up as, uh, his wife and her boyfriend are like making out and, um, he has the scissors in his hand from the vision. Um, and he seemed, and it looks as though he is about to start stabbing them like this vision had. Um, but, uh, Anderton, manages to, like, grab his hand and, like, put a stop to it right as, like, the seconds are ticking down. Um, and then they arrest him for pre-crime. Um, and he keeps saying, like, but and this is the kind of central kind of thing around which the entire movie hinges. He's like, but I didn't do anything. 
I wasn't going to do anything. Um, but at the mm-hmm. at this point, Anderton and his crew are like pre-crime is infallible, um, and so you absolutely were going to do something, and we stopped you from doing it. Um, the other important thing that kind of rounds out what we might call a cult, pre- pre- you know, pre- wait, sorry, I'm sorry, just. Pre-crime seems really sketch because... Oh, wait, really? Why? <laughs> <laughs> because it seems like, okay, if, if like, the goal is to stop the crime, you did. You stopped it. Right. Now nobody's guilty. So this person shouldn't be arrested. Like, so... Yeah. Like, intervene, you know, but, like, like yeah. really what you should do is, like, okay, we have stopped a murder... Because that is the only, we learn later, this is the only crime that the precogs can predict, is only murder. Yeah. So, it's like, okay, so you prevented that murder, so let's, I'm not averse to being like, let's take the person who is identified as the killer, maybe let's go ahead and put them in, like, protective custody for 48 hours. Let them cool down. Maybe we insist that they have some counseling or something. Um, yeah, maybe there's maybe there's like something we can learn from their brain about like right before the kill, or it could be sure. I mean, there could be stuff you could learn from it, but like straight up, like you are now a killer. Because we're you treating you to kill someone. We are treating you as though the murder did happen. Like legally, we are treating right. you as though it did happen, even though it didn't happen. Right. Um, and that's precisely what happens here. Is this guy gets arrested? And he's shouting, like, but I didn't do anything, and I wasn't going to do anything. And then the other thing that is important for uh, kind of the, the main story arc of this movie is that the cold open, which I, would, I think this is kind of what this is, is a cold open, um, where what we see, like, once Howard Marks gets arrested and kind of the vision of the future that was supposed to happen doesn't happen anymore, we go back into the weird tub room and all of the precogs start like literally like seeming it looks like they're having seizures or something and they're all shouting mm-hmm. and like the images that are associated with this thing start like flashing around and like uh i forget who explains this but one of the various like police team people says that what this is is considered to be like an echo of the future now that isn't that isn't going to happen um and so that this is a common apparently this is a thing that happens every time and so like the technicians associated with this project are know to like basically like this isn't information we need to keep we delete this information and we move on like um Hmm. and like i said this will be essential to understanding the larger plot that will start to unfold um but what i thought was kind of especially concerning let's say is a word i could use um about this is that um it's the the way the physical way these precogs in this tub react is really quite Mm -hmm. hard to watch um and especially the seeming like casualness the rest of them they really and there is a part in the movie where they say it's best to not think of them as human beings and yeah and like so straight away this very first kind of little gambit showed this thing of like they're all freaking the fuck out and screaming and everyone else is looking around as though like i don't know like what what are you doing over the weekend you know like um and there was something about it that i was like ooh this is like cons- i don't like this this is icky um and i don't like this world that involves this I mean now admittedly it's not like our world treats human beings much better um but like (laughs) it really I really I really was like these people in this tub are clearly not being treated as people um they're kept in some kind of weird stasis thing I don't even think that they eat food you know like um all of that will come to bear later on in the story um and so now i think maybe would be a good time for us to stop and have this be the end of part one and you and you listeners might be surprised 
to see that we're doing a purposeful two-parter this time where we actually know where we're stopping and we're saying uh, stay tuned next week as we continue talking about Minority Report um, where we may, if we're lucky, figure out what the fuck a Minority Report is. Um, so Maybe. I no, no guarantees, though. We are not, to be clear, so so we're not in legal trouble later. Um, we are not promising that we will explain what a minority report is, but we will sure do our damnedest next week. So join us then. Uh, I am Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.